Good morning. Two weeks and two days, uh, Lori and I take off for our 40th wedding anniversary trip. So we're going to uh, Hawaii. We are going to shut off our phones, shut off the computer. I will not think about you one second for two weeks. And every day we're going to wake up, I'm going to wake up and and be totally focused on how can she have the greatest day of her life. Every day she's going to wake up and focus on how I can have the greatest day of my life. And the intimacy is going to be incredible. Which, by the way, if you spend lots of money and you go to the one place on earth that's absolutely perfect all the time and you don't take your job with you, there's a pretty good chance you could experience intimacy as well. Although... As you may have experienced, one of two things is true. For some of you, because you do not have the foundation of intimacy in your life, even when you go there, you don't experience intimacy. You, you have flashes, but then it falls apart. And, but for many of us, we, we go to those places, and then we're flying back. And when we get within about an hour of landing, doom comes. You can just feel it. The job's back, the pressure's back, the kid's back, it's all back, and ah. Well, we want to build real intimacy. We want to build this oneness, this togetherness, where we get to share one another's lives, share one another's hearts. And so we've been working through the the foundation of intimacy. We had part one last week, which was uh, we focused on repentance, and uh, this week we're going to focus on on uh, forgiveness. So repentance and forgiveness. Uh, Last week, just review, repentance, remember, is the beginning piece. Lots of times people talk about forgiveness, but they forget the repentance. It really starts with repentance, which is one, accept blame for what I've done. I'm the one who did it. Uh, We don't give reasons. We don't give excuses. I'm the one who did it. It's my fault. Number two, a change of heart, or uh, which is heart, mind, and body which I'm headed in this direction, this is what I did, this is, but I have a totally different attitude about it. And I understand I'm the one, which leads to number three, I'm the one that needs to pay for it. And so there's this vow, there's a new allegiance, there's a new direction. If you uh, notice today that I'm talking fairly quickly or moving fairly quickly, that's because we have a, a story, we're gonna end the series with a story, and I cannot wait for you to hear the story. It kind of wraps it, wraps it all up. So let's just spend a little bit of time about forgiveness uh, today. We're going to jump right into what the Bible has to say. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So a couple things about this. Number one is that this relationship, this forgiveness idea, lots of times people think, oh yeah, forgive just like Jesus does. They throw this verse out real quick and you automatically think, yeah, forgives He forgives all the time for everything. He's just forgive, 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 forgive. That's not actually true. That's not accurate at all in terms of what the Bible has to say and what Jesus Jesus did. We're going to take a look into that. But the second thing is our perspective as we talk about this is we're relating forgiveness. We're trying to learn intimacy from Christ. And so if you're on your journey and you don't know Christ yet, you say, well, I believe in God, but you've, you've never met Christ personally. You've never trusted him. This is a key piece because it really impacts your ability to forgive. I'll say it a few times today, but forgiveness is really first between you and God. 
And then it goes to the person that you're trying to create this relationship with. In another passage, it says, Jesus is speaking, and they actually ask him about this idea of forgiveness. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. So a couple things, or one piece of this is, this is, a, this is not a one-time thing. Oftentimes we think of forgiveness and intimacy as the big one, right? So you've got this big thing. This last week I asked you to pray and say, hey, God, is there any wicked way in me? And I asked you to start with the small one. For some of you, uh, God wouldn't let you start with a small one. And so you, you had some big things that came up, and you're dealing with those even now. You're like, okay, I need to deal with that. But this idea that you have the big boom and then the big forgiveness, and then we're all good from then on, it, it doesn't create intimacy. It's because it becomes a lifestyle. This is the way you live your life. You may be used to, yeah, I know I did that wrong. I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't want to, I, I, it's really big and it bothers you and it bothers you and you're like, I don't want to repent. I don't want to be honest. I don't want to come clean. It's too painful. It costs too much. And so you do that one big one and then you're like, I don't ever want to have to do that again. But intimacy is actually created from a regular, this is a regular lifestyle. Why? Why does it have to be a regular lifestyle? Like, why would I have to build it into my relationship? Because you regularly sin against the other person. As a matter of fact, it's a lifestyle, right? Hurting the other person is a regular lifestyle. So if you're going to share life, then this has to be part of it as well. And it says, if they sin against you, then you rebuke them. You go to them and say, hey, this is what hurt me. This is what you did. Many times we just hang on to those things. We don't even take that first step. That, that's that first, first piece of it. And then he says, if they repent, whoa, what? If they repent. Did you know that Jesus only forgives people who repent? Did you know Jesus doesn't wake up in the morning and go, forgive, 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 forgive? No. He was really, really, really clear. He said, repent. Because I want to forgive you. You've got to come clean about it. You've got to take that, wait, I'm the one who broke this thing and I need forgiveness. That's true in our relationships too. If they repent, forgive them. Then he says a crazy thing. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. So most of us would be like, no, at fourth, I'm like, you don't even mean it. Uh-uh, we're done. But the idea is, no, they come back and like, well, that's impossible. The people can't. I do think he did it for effect, right? I think he did the seven days for effect, but that doesn't mean it's any less true. That, okay, that their job is to break things and repent. My job is to, to forgive them. That's the relationship. Now, the disciples understood what he was saying. They understood what he was saying very, very clearly because they said, the apostles, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. What that means is, that's impossible. What they said was, that's impossible. You can't, we can't do that. God, you would have to change us. You'd have to increase our faith. We would have to be different people. Now, again, increase our faith means my relationship between me and God. Because if I'm going to forgive this person, it's going to be because I have this relationship with Christ. It's out of this relationship with Christ that I'm going to forgive this other person. 
And he said, they said, this is impossible. We can't humanly do that. You've got to increase our faith. At which point Jesus uses a, 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 a phrase that is used all the time out of context. TV preachers love to use this. They use this over and over and over again to communicate that God will give you what you want and change the outside world, either money or possessions or health or that kind of thing. Look how he uses it here. He says, they said, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it will obey you. The key is that this faith will change you. It will turn you because it actually is more impossible to, by faith, pull up a, mustard, a, a tree and see it move and replant it than it is to, to forgive somebody who keeps doing the same thing over and over again, but they repent and you forgive them. So that's how he uses this, this passage. Then he goes in, a, in kind of a different direction. So he goes in that direction first, which is, yeah, yeah, it is absolutely, it's between you and me, and I want to I change you on the inside so you can become that kind of person. And then he, he, he goes almost totally opposite with the next thing that he says. He says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Did you guys check your sheep this morning? Sheep's good? Okay. After the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Now, we can't relate to this passage. We don't have servants and masters. We don't, oh, my boss is like that. No. No. You would have quit a long time ago. We don't actually have this. But this, the audience that was listening to this, this made perfect sense to them. Why? Because... It was very well understood. Masters do certain things, and there's certain things masters don't do. Servants do certain things, and there's certain things servants don't do. And for them, they understood that a servant doesn't eat with the master. You're like, oh, that's so mean. All right. You have to, to understand what Jesus is saying. You have to go back to the audience that he was speaking to. For them, this made perfect sense. He says, no, no, he wouldn't do that. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Oh, it's harsh. No, no, it makes perfect sense to the people who are listening to it. Yeah, that's exactly what you would do. The master would say, okay, you've done with that part of your day, that part of the work. Now, get all this stuff ready for me, and then... Wait on me while I eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? The listeners are all going to go, no. Masters don't thank servants for serving. They're servants. That's what they do. Now again, this is very difficult for us. We didn't live in that culture. In this culture... No, they would never do that. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. You get no points for forgiveness. 
you get no points for forgiving. Now, that's weird, right? Our culture is like, some, if somebody just forgives the slightest thing, they're like, did you see that? Let's make a movie. Let's do a news story, right? They, forga- they forgave somebody. They forgave him. Did you see that? That's not the Bible's perspective. That's not Jesus' perspective. Why? Because if you have come to meet Jesus, you know that you met Jesus on the basis that you didn't deserve to be forgiven at all. You understand that you have been forgiven a million. The person you're forgiving, you're only forgiving them 10. See, I don't I only did what would be my duty, what was the kind of the obvious thing to do. Why? I've been forgiven so much. The obvious thing to do is to forgive. We are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. How many times have you in your own life, I know I've seen this over and over again, a couple goes through something, one asks forgiveness, the other one forgives. They spend the rest of their lives thinking they get points because they forgave. That's not forgiveness, guys. That's not forgiveness. And you can't ever create intimacy if you do it. If you want points for forgiveness, you don't get to have intimacy. You can't have the two things at the same time. So... Let's take a real quick at, a quick look at what forgiveness is not, and then we'll give you the definition of what forgiveness is. Uh, forgiveness is not given without repentance. We said that a little bit earlier, but I want to say it again. Many times, matter of fact, I bet this room is a room full of people who've tried to forgive people who did not repent. And you keep saying to yourself, I keep trying to forgive, I keep trying to forgive, and, and then it comes back, and I keep trying to forgive, and then it comes back. Yeah, that's because you can't forgive someone who doesn't repent. Why not? Well, because when you go back to tell the story, they're not repenting. They didn't have a problem. You did. They're not grateful that you forgave them. They didn't do anything wrong. You can't forgive without repentance. Pretty key piece to the puzzle. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Oftentimes, uh, it is true. There's passages that talks about that God, when it's incredible to have a relationship with God whereby he would forget my sins. And so people get the idea that with forgiveness, you automatically forget sins. Well, one, God does not forget. He's all-knowing. He, he, he doesn't go, didn't even know you did that. That, that actually doesn't happen. <laughs> Number two, you don't have the ability to forget on demand. You don't. It is true oftentimes that when you genuinely forgive, as time goes by, you do forget. Why? Because the pain comes out of it. And when the pain comes out of it, you're able to forget. But sometimes people think, well, I didn't forgive because I didn't forget. That, that's, that's not true. It's not forgetting. That's not really what you're trying to do. Forgiveness is not reconciling. This is really key. Forgiveness is not that, oh, it, we're going to go back to the way it used to be. Matter of fact, somebody in our group this week, in our small group, came up with this great line. They said, yeah, repentance isn't thinking it's going to go back the way it used to be. Repentance is understanding you can never go back to the way it used to be. 
So I want to change directions. I want to start over. I want something new to start up here. And forgiveness is not the idea that now we trust each other and we're all in this together. You know how this works for guys, right? So guys, they have a, they're, they're very simple on this pretty much. If they get in a fight with their wife, right, they have a, a very clear measurement of when the fight is over. As soon as you make love, the fight's over. For them, they're like, okay, it's reconciled. It's all good. Away we go. Makes sense to them. That's just how they think. For some of you ladies, I just gave you the biggest hint in the world, okay? This is, this is how it works. <laughs> but you see, when you sin, when you break trust, because you forgive them doesn't mean now you trust them, right? When somebody takes your glass jar and for the third time, they've dropped your glass jar and broke it into pieces, you may forgive them but you're not going to give them another glass jar. Why? Because they have to rebuild the trust that has to be rebuilt. Forgiveness happens in a moment, but reconciliation and re-trust building can take, that can take time. Forgiveness is not condoning. When you forgive, it doesn't mean you say that what they did was okay. It's not saying, yeah, yeah, okay, doesn't matter anymore, it's done, it's gone, it's finished, it's because it really didn't matter, it was okay. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not a feeling. For many of you, this is really helpful. It's not a feeling. If you wait till you, till you feel forgiving, that may never come. It actually has nothing to do with feelings at all. It's a decision, it's a choice. Most of the time, the choice is in conflict with your feelings. Forgiveness is not just about the person who you hurt. It's often about you. And as we said before, forgiveness is actually, for a believer, it's between you and Jesus first. It's what has he forgiven me of. So, therefore, I'm going to forgive So what is forgiveness? Uh, Forgiveness at its most basic level, forgiveness is the decision with your heart, mind, and strength to pardon an offense. You are going to give up the right to be repaid. See, when something goes wrong, when someone gets hurt, they actually either steal something, break something, destroy something, steal something from you. And it has bad byproduct in your life. Who's going to pay for that? Forgiveness is your decision that they no longer have to pay for it. You're not going to get repaid. Which often means that it is a decision to pay for the offense yourself. It's that simple. It's math. It's not feelings. It's really not even relationship at its most basic level. At its most basic level, it's math. And the most healthy people, when they repent, they give a clear accounting of what they stole or broke or destroyed. And they ask forgiveness. And the person who forgives asks for a clear accounting. When they say, I am going to forgive, I'm going to forgive you of, and they give an accounting of what it is. That's why living your life the way you are, where you go, I mean, I'm sorry I did that, and the other person goes, yeah, no big deal. 
That's what's led you to so much emptiness and loneliness and so much apart. Because that's not forgiveness at all. It's not repentance or forgiveness. So I'm going to finish this up uh, later on in the day and call you to uh, a specific action. But for now, I want you to enjoy uh, Domingo and Demira. They're going to share their story and what God has done in their life, uh, really through the years, but then especially in Reengage. Meet Domingo and Demira. Hello, hello, Skyline. How you guys doing? My name is Domingo Amante. This is my beautiful lady right here, Demira. This is the one that loves me unconditionally. Every time I, I pray God for what, what, what is next in my life and what I need to do in my life and how to grow, he points to her and shows me that he sent her to change my life. Hi, everyone. I'm Demira Amante. Uh, here at Skyline, I am better known as Domingo's wife. <laughs> I want to start off by saying that I love my husband. He's the best thing that ever happened to me and my family. I am actually truly blessed, grateful, and privileged to also be known at Skyline as Domingo's wife. We're here to share a story with our experience with Reengage. Well, first of all, let me tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um, I was born in Patterson, raised in Patterson, and um, I come from a family of four brothers. We always bounce from house to house and live with other families and stuff like that. So even though my mother was a superwoman, she worked hard, she put food on the table, she made sure that we was, you know, loved and make sure that she was, that, that, um, that we were taken care of. And um, from there, it was, it was like, you know, us raising ourselves basically type thing. You know, marriage for my mom was, was kind of difficult because like I said before, you know, my father was alcoholic. He was basically never around. He never showed no emotions. It was like no love there. And, and that's what we got to see right there the whole time. It was hard for her. When he got mad at us, you know, he would send us out to Puerto Rico and live with the family. And that's all we got to see. And I really, really felt bad for my mother because it was a lot of pressure on her. After a while, my parents got divorced. They, um, they decided to go separate ways and my mother finally found a great man in, in, in her life, not only her life, in our life, my stepdad, Carlos Torres, which we ended up naming my little son after him to show him how much we loved him and appreciated him. So after that, you know, he brought a lot of stability to the family. You know, he brought a house, you know, he moved to Zen. The funny thing was like, when after they brought the house and we ended up getting our own rooms and living there, and I only was there for like two years, cause then after that, I started hanging, I started hanging now in the streets, you know, and I started loving the streets and, you know, at the end of the day, I moved out, I basically got kicked out. And, you know, and from there I was just hanging out. I love the street life. I was born in the Dominican Republic. I was the youngest of uh, three girls at that point. My parents left me when I was a little girl in the Dominican Republic while they came to the United States to get settled and live here. I eventually came to the United States when I was around six, and at that point they had my younger brother. My parents worked a lot, they ran businesses, so they were never really home. My grandmother was the one who raised us um, in Patterson. I have uh, very little memory of my parents together because they weren't home that often because they worked so much, but the little bit that I did get to see was that my father was so kind to my mom. He was always taking care of her like he was her protector. 
Um, he was almost 20 years older than her, so maybe that had a lot to do with it. My mother, I saw her just making sure my, hus my father was, uh, his meals were served, and she worked along with him to run the businesses. So they weren't really home. I never really got to experience seeing them as a couple. And my father died when I was 17 years old, so I didn't get too much of an experience with them together. I always knew I wanted to get married and have kids, but really in life, in my life growing up, I never had an example of it. Being in the streets is just, I put it to the side, and you know, growing up in the street, it was like really, you know, with my boys and stuff like that, it was like the more women you had, the more man you was, you know, the more you hung out and you you had this girl and that girl, you know, you, you was the man. So I kind of like leaned to that the most. So eventually, you know, it comes to a time in life that, that that gets boring and you start thinking about, you know, other things in life. So I started thinking about, about slowing down a little bit because I got myself in trouble a couple of times. You know, I got myself, got, got in, 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 myself incarcerated twice. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I drank a lot, smoked a lot of weed, you know, did a lot of does. You know, I was just in the streets heavy down. And you know, it was, it was about that time. And then I, I met this pretty lady right here with this beautiful smile in them eyes, you know, and she changed my life and you know, like I said, I always prayed to God to change my life, even though I was doing that. And this is who he sent me, you know, my angel. Since my parents were never around because they were always working and my father passed away when I was young, um, my example of a marriage was actually what my many uncles were like. Um, they all were married. They had a lover on the side and they had girlfriends. Um, my grandma, who I love so much and who raised us, she had 13 kids. Uh, wow. herself, but she was not the wife, she was the lover. My grandfather's actual wife had eight kids and his girlfriend had 11. I know it sounds unreal, but this was the norm, this was acceptable, they all knew about each other, it was what it was. Domingo and I started dating because a dear friend of mine's growing up, she was dating and had gotten pregnant by his older brother. She used to go to family functions all the time and she didn't want to go alone, so I used to tag along with her. At that time, I was 17 and I was actually already pregnant with Kiara. Um, at that time, I got close to his mother. When I met the Myra, I was 21 years old, moving back to my mother's house, renting a basement. And um, one, day, one, one day I came home and from hanging out all night that my mother was so upset, upset with me that she, she forced me to go to the hospital. As soon as I got into the hospital, I saw that she came to visit the Myra that just finished having a beautiful baby girl, Kiara. And um, as soon as you know it, they gave it to me to hold. So that was the first time I hold Kiara in my arms. And I never knew that from there on, you know, I was gonna see her in the future. She was gonna be a part of my life. Like a year and a half later, my sister was getting married and she had invited the Myra. So as the Myra was there, you know, at the, at the party and everything, I was in the table talking to my cousins and them, and my cousin said, hey, go get that number. Can you go get that number for me? And I was like, sure, let me go get the number. So I went, <laughs> so I went over there and got the number, and I looked at him, and I said, you know what, I'm going to put this in my pocket. <laughs> you know, so later on that night, I gave her a call, and we talked all night and everything, and then we went on a date, on a hot date. So, um, <laughs> you know, and after that, we continued dating, and I knew she was the one for me, because honestly, I dated a lot of girls, but it wasn't nothing like her. 
you know, it was like it was like the real deal. It was like she 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 was authentic, she was genuine, she had a big heart, you know, and and I was like feeling lucky for her, you know. I was like, wow, man. I was surprised that he asked for my number, but I was very happy because I was actually eyeing him for a while. Mm. I never knew the story about the cousin until long after that. Um, our relationship progressed soon after that, after our first date, and before you knew it, I was living with him in his basement apartment with Kiara when she was only a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. We were together for about five years before we got married. Um, we had Caden, and Domingo ended up adopting legally Kiara. Uh, mm-hmm. So now she holds the... She, the Amante name, <laughs> you know. She became legally an Amante. And eventually we had Carito, mm-hmm. uh, which we named after Domingo's stepfather. You know, what I thought about the, my marriage at the time, now we married and everything, I thought that everything was going, going perfect, you know, and that um, me and her was working together, you know, she went through school, she became a nurse, I was a truck driver, you know, everything was going fine. And, um, and also I was able to, to hang out in the streets and be with my boys still doing what I was doing, but now married, you know. And since she ain't complaining about it, I thought it was fine with me, you know. And I, that's one part that I loved, you know, and stuff that I got my cake and eat it too. You know what I'm saying? So even though I continue to, 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 to drink, smoke and do everything, you know, I was also married, so I had responsibilities to take her. So I also worked hard and provided for the family. You know, and it was a beautiful thing. We, we, I, you know, I think we was good. You know, we, we loved each other. We had our moments, you know, right? We wasn't like, like beefing all the time. We was, you know, we had a great moments, our adventures together. So, you know, I thought marriage was going great. Well, Domingo was drinking a lot. Um, I wouldn't say so much an alcoholic, but he was drinking, he was still smoking and hanging out with his friends. I didn't have too much of a problem with him drinking or smoking because he, he was a good father, he was a good husband, and he provided for us. He never hurt me physically, emotionally. Um, what I did have a problem with him was hanging out in the streets. He would be gone all day, or all night, really, and I was scared that he was gonna get hurt. Many of his friends got in trouble with the law, got killed, and that's what scared me the most. Um, when we were married, that he would leave, and I wouldn't know where he was. The word marriage wasn't like an important thing. We loved each other, we took care of each other, but we just lived day to day. I really didn't appreciate what it was to have a husband. You know, all my life, I really wanted to be a godly man, even though what I was doing in the streets and, and how I was behaving and, and, and everything, I always had God in my, in my heart. And you know, coming to Skyline, even though I had God in my heart, I didn't really know him too much, and I didn't know Jesus too much, so. You know, it was a blessing coming to Skyline. She dragged me into Skyline, you know what I'm saying? And through her friend, her best friend, they they, they brought me into Skyline. So coming to Skyline and and getting to know, you know, my brothers in Christ and and joining life group and ministry and and doing so much in this this church, you know, I started growing in Christ. and, And as I started growing in Christ, I started reading the Bible and then I started learning about marriage I started learning um, the things that I was doing wrong, you know, and um, I started opening my eyes, really. It was a really eye-opener that my behavior was not acceptable, you know. Even though I was still behaving the way I was behaving, even when I was coming to Skyline at the beginning, it started taking a toll on my heart. 
In the summer of 2017, Pastor Chris approached us to join the pilot program for the Reengage uh, program. Uh, and I thought it was going to be a great thing for our church, but more importantly, uh, to strengthen our marriage. I didn't even know that, that we were just, you know, hitting a roadblock. I thought it was like, you know, like a regular marriage couple, but it wasn't really leading to love, you know, and sometimes we go to sleep mad at each other. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't good, you know, at that time. You know, even though it was coming to Skyline and everything, it still had a little effect on us on that side. We still needed to grow on that side, you know. I recognized right away that one of the many things that I did against Domingo was that I would wait for him to do something wrong, which happened often. And I would hold that. Once in a while. Okay, sure. <laughs> I will hold that in the back of my mind, and whenever we got into an argument and I thought I was on the losing end, I would use that as ammunition towards him. And also, it's kind of like I based our love on a performance scale. The more he did of what I wanted him to do, or the more he behaved, the more I loved him. First Corinthians 13.5, love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. And also 1 John 4.19, it reads, we love because he loved us first. Jesus loved us unconditionally, regardless of our faults. It wasn't fair to Domingo or to our marriage that I held his faults against him and also to measure my love for him. I saw myself being like my father. Like I had, I had the same habit as my father, you know, and, and that came out of me, you know, and I was like, wow. I'm, this, I'm almost the same person, you know, and, and I grew a lot from there because I didn't want to be that, you know. Even though at the end my father became a great man, but I was not a great man. I was still like him, and I needed to change that in a certain way. And I didn't want, you know, my family, my kids to see that. I want to see a godly man, you know, and I want to love my, love my wife unconditionally. I think more than anything, it was our lack of communication. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we loved each other, but our marriage was very like emotionless. We were just there. Uh, we were constantly focused on what we were doing wrong instead of realizing yeah. what we were each doing wrong in the marriage. It was focusing on each other's task instead of, you know, I was focusing on your task, you was focusing on mine, and we didn't come together as a unit kind of, right? Yeah, what no, you think? definitely. We were always just against each other, yeah. basically, in a marriage. Mm -hmm. This is what the Reengage book read. It read, the basis of a relationship with God is based on grace. Grace is undeserved love. Your relationship with God is grounded in grace and so much your relationship with your spouse. That hit me kind of hard. It is the foundation to any healthy relationship. See, who's doing this without grace? That relationship I held with God. Me and God had that, that, that relationship. He gave me grace. So... That's the same relationship I wanted with my wife. As we reviewed the chapters and we learned about, about the truths in our marriage, we were very, we became truthful to each other. Chapter six um, speaks about forgiveness in action. Um, it's where we had to sit down and confess to each other what we had done to each other. Um, we sat down, we confessed a lot of sins that we had committed against each other, things that we were actually shocked to find out about each mm -hmm. other. And um, we sat down, we asked each other for forgiveness, and we forgave each other for what we had done throughout our relationship. You know, commitment, commitment was a hard one for me too because um, I kind of realized that this is, my wife is a gift from God. 
You know, he put her in my life. And not only he put her in my life, she'd been with me for many years. She could have left a long time ago. So I knew he sent it to me and I wasn't really, you know, giving her that grace and that love that she deserves because she don't deserve anything but love because she's a beautiful lady. Um, so at the end of the day, this, this, um, this passage came to me from Mark 10, 6 through 8. It says, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. See, I wanted to invest my, my life of being one flesh, you know, because this whole time I was doing it wrong. You know, I was selfish, you know, and, and I wasn't giving her the love that she's supposed to, that's, that she deserves. At the end of the day, she could say whatever she wants to say, but she's been a great woman to me. And I'm the one that really failed in this marriage, you know. And I came to learn that and re-engage, and I wanted to have that commitment towards her, to love, keep continue to love her and show her what she really does deserve, you know. Uh, going through the remaining of the chapters is where we learn to strengthen our marriage, communicating, um, learning how to communicate, learning how to solve the conflict, learning what our actual expectations should be of our marriage, um, learning how to understand each other, and also learning how to strengthen our intimacy. Our relationship is not perfect. You know, we're still growing. We're still, you know, leaning towards Jesus to, to be the center of this relationship. We're never going to be perfect. But I'm a, I love the place we're in now. You know, we, we show grace to each other. We don't look for each other's fault. From going through the re-engage program, what we learned is uh, first should come our relationship with Christ, then our marriage, then our family, and finally our ministry to the church. Um, God empowers us to help us find the balance as to not neglect any part of our relationships. And now in our marriage, we're at peace with each other. Domingo helps me so much. Um, he surprises me so much with little things around the house. I mean, cleaning, which is so important to me. Um, I never knew I loved cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I treasure the time that we're together. Like yeah. literally every single time I think of him, I have flutters in my heart. Mm. Um, it's changed, it's been a big change in our relationship and I'm so grateful. You know, when we started re-engage, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a great thing. You know, we started from chapter one and we went home and the drive was long. Sometimes it was quiet. Sometimes it was, it was a rough ride home. Sometimes it was happy. You know, it was all different kind of emotions. And at the end of the day, we, we came to a conclusion to, to, to um, forgive each other for our sins, you know, and start this new. Because at the beginning, we didn't have Christ in it. We just, we just, just roll with, the, with, the, with what we saw back in the day through our parents and our friends and with the expectations, you know. Now my prayers is, God, you know, give me more time with my wife. Give me time to love her more. Let me grow old with her. You know, let me show her that I really do love her unconditionally. I am in, I'm in love again with her. And at the end of the day, I just want to ask God that if there's the time to depart from this earth, that at least I could go up there in heaven and I could see her again and I could give her that hug and that kiss because I really love her. <laughs>